0: Acts chapter 9 verse 20 if you're ready somebody say yeah Yeah. here we go says this immediately he we're talking about Saul whose name was changed to Paul immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God then all who heard were amazed and said is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength. I can't preach without commenting. Just because you have haters doesn't mean you can't increase. Just because people don't think you deserve your role, just because people don't think that you should be where you are, stop worrying about who doesn't agree with you and start worrying about the presence of God that is on your life. It says Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul and they watched the gates that day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Hold on, Paul, you were just killing people last week. You expect me to believe that now you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Whatever. But Barnabas, I got to read it and not preach. Everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. Everybody needs somebody in their life that can see you for who you can be, not who you were. And a lot of people will not let you mature past the person they met you as the first time. And you need somebody in your life that don't just see who you used to be, but they see not even who you currently are but who you could be. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road that he had spoke to him. Now he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. Since it's just me and online, can we have a little bit of fun? Whenever you see the Bible saying coming in and going out, it's not talking about using a door. Can we, can we have some fun? So here it is. We're looking for the second king of Israel. Saul ain't going to work. And the prophet Samuel said, I need somebody who can come in and go out. What are they? I need somebody who knows the presence of God. Whenever the Bible talks about coming, I need somebody who can lead people into the presence of God and then lead the people out of God's presence out to war. There's Saul coming in and going out. Verse 29, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But watch this. But they attempted to kill him. Everybody trying to kill this man. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. I have a message for you today entitled The War of Yesterday and Tomorrow. The war of yesterday and tomorrow. You've got to understand your yesterday will always be at war with your tomorrow. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment, God, for every single person. God, literally tuning in all over the world. God, that you'd speak, that you'd heal, that you'd transform, that you would do what only you can do. And make this moment the moment that everything changes. We'll be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, type it in the chat. Somebody say, amen, 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 amen. Let it be unto me. Um, my wife and I, Zai, we've been married for 10 years now, and uh, more in love than we've ever been. Having a great time, but sometimes you got to spice things up. Sometimes you got to do something that you've never done before. Listen, calm down. Calm down. Y'all already nervous. This isn't February. This isn't the relationship series. Y'all, this ain't the sex message. We're going to talk about. I I took her to a cooking class. Y'all calm down. Y'all like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Y'all ratchet. Anyway, so we said, hey, we want to do something a little bit different than we normally do. So we went to a cooking class. She found this cooking class and we went. And By the way, we had fun, but this whole deal of having to cook your own meal and then pay for it. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I feel like I got hustled because the chef sat there and did nothing, and he got tipped. And I'm like, well, I'm the one who did all the work. I feel like the tip should come my way. But we went, and, and it was lot, it was y'all. We did risotto. Did I say that right? Risotto with lobster tail in it. And you know what risotto is? It is rice that's overcooked. I was like, listen, you'd get smacked in a Caribbean home for cooking rice this bad. This is, I mean, you're sitting there stirring that thing. And then we did steak medallions and like a mushroom garnishment. And y'all, I hate mushrooms because they used to grow in my backyard. And I come over the lawnmower and I'm like, I'm not eating something that grows in my backyard. But anyway, we're there cooking. And the thought that crossed my mind is when you go to a restaurant, at least I do, I don't really think about what's in the ditch. I just, you know, give me the paella, give me, you know, whatever it may be, and I'm, it tastes good when it gets there. It's not until you cook it yourself that you realize, wait, there's vinegar in this? Duh? They, they, they put cumin in this? There's oregano? There's all these different flavors that are thrown in them, and what I figured out is the order that you put an ingredient in depends and determines whether the ingredient makes the dish better or worse. If you add the wrong thing at the wrong time, it can actually destroy and ruin the entire dish. Can we just have a little bit of fun? Can I preach what God laid on my heart? Some of us have a dash of guilt and a sprinkle of shame stirred into the dish of life that God's cooking for us. And without even realizing it, the the bitterness of shame. The tartness of guilt is flavoring every conversation, every prayer, every decision, everything that we do. And by the end of this message, my goal is to get those two ingredients out of your life. In this passage We come across Saul, which all of us may know as Paul, the author of more than two-thirds of Scripture. Paul raised the dead. Paul brought the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul moved in a miraculous way. The anointing of God was so on Paul's life that the Bible says that his very presence brought people back to life and healed them. However, before he was a great apostle and a prophet, he was a murderer. And I really got people with Paul because he killed Stephen. Like, golly, dude, you could have killed anybody else. But he's the one that gave approval for the disciple of Apostle Stephen to be murdered. And where we find Saul at this time before God changed his name. Should I preach that or should I keep moving? Well, let's just preach it. Because God says, I want to make sure that you know you're not who you used to be. So I'm not even going to let them call you what they used to call you because that you doesn't exist anymore. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. There's a new future that I have. You're no longer going to be called Saul. You're now going to be called Paul. And as soon as he had this encounter with God filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to preach that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The problem is the people that he used to run with were upset about his transformation. And the people that he used to run with actually turned on him and tried to kill him because they said, you are not who you presented yourself to us as. You will find in life that people in your circle sometimes, not all the time, sometimes you'll be blessed enough to be around people that want to mature like you. Sometimes, not all the times, I actually would say rarely, you're blessed enough to be around people that want to grow like you and want to see God do great things through their lives. But sometimes you're surrounded with people who will not let you go from who they first met you as. When I met you, we used to, can I say go to a park together? Park is a club here in Maryland, D.C. area. It's I, I learned that as a pastor. I thought park was, oh, let's go to the park and see the little puppies. No, that's not the park. It's a, it's a different, <laughs> there's no puppies at the park. There's some dogs at the park, but there's no puppies at the park. A complete, anyway, because you're the person I used to cut up with. Because you're the person I used to run after to get money with. Because you're the person that we used to talk trash about other people with. I, and, and as soon as you grow, I'm going to do everything I can to pull you back down. And you hear the cliches like, oh, you've changed. Oh, you expected me to stay the same. You you really expected God to move in my life, God to open doors, God to move supernaturally. And I'm not going to think different, see different, talk different, believe different. You expected me to be just as insecure, just as fearful, just as doubtful as I was 10 years ago. I'm sorry, growth is a part of the trajectory that God has me on. But they get offended because you moved forward and they did not. And for some reason, they take it upon themselves to actually try to murder your future. Tell you, well, listen, because you think you're all that, you've left your real friends or your real family or your real crew behind. You're going to see it's going to blow up in your face. It's amazing how much people use their faith to see your dreams not come to pass. You've got all that faith. Why don't you use that to let God do something great in your life instead of use that faith to try to make it prove that somehow because I moved on. Okay, that's okay. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. So Paul said that these people that I used to run with, they're trying to kill me. And he, he went to the next city and he introduced himself to the church. and ugh, And the church didn't believe his transformation. Because for some reason, we want people to prove Jesus to us and not walk their faith out with fear and trembling as the scripture says they should. And it's, it's wild how we catch this amnesia Of when we first stepped into Christ and what our maturation process was, what it was like for us to grow in Christ, but yet somebody new comes into our circle and we kind of side-eye them. This is just my prayer that Union Church would not be the type of church that side-eyes the new people. I just pray that we would be the type of church that we said, hey, I remember when I was figuring, I remember when I wore the wrong thing to church. I remember when I was outside at the basketball connect group with the other church folks and I let a word slip because I'm still getting Christ's form in me. I, I, I hope we're the type of believers that don't side-eye the new folks. But hey, I'm so glad that you're here. And it says that after a while, the Hellenistic Jews also tried to kill So where he came from tried to kill him and where he was going to try to, all because of who he was and how he performed before he came to Christ. And one of the things that I've discovered is if I don't deal with my yesterday, if I don't deal with my past, my past won't stay in my past. My past will be my future. And I've got to do a couple things. Write this down. First thought is this. You've got to remember... You gotta remember that your past is redeemed. I've gotta remember that my past is. Re- you ever, you ever, it just may happen to me. Maybe it doesn't happen to, to, to you because you're, you're a lot smarter and have a greater memory. But um, I, you ever had a day where all day long you couldn't remember if you locked the front door? Okay, it's not you. You're just as slow as I am. Great. Okay, I feel like I'm in great. I feel like I'm in great company. I'll have some days where I'll walk out, and it'll be one of those days where where my wife is going somewhere and drop the kids off, and she's not coming home for a bunch of hours, and I'm gone, and I'm just like, okay, I was busy. I grabbed my back, ran out the door, and I threw everything in the car, and, I, and I'm like, did I or did I close the garage? And I'm like, I I think I did. I think I hit the button. I don't remember seeing it drop, and and then what? I'm just okay. I, I, I got a little bit of an imagination. So it starts with okay, I didn't close the front door. I didn't close the garage. And, and then something will pop up on Instagram talking about home invasions. And I'll start like imagining somebody running into my garage and just running through my house and grabbing my sneaker collection. And now I'm like devastated because it's taken me 10 years to build that sneaker collection. And I'm like losing my, and I can't focus on where I am because I f- can't remember did I close and then you get home. Door locked, garage closed, alarm is on. Ain't no, but the thought of, oh, I can't remember what happened there literally causes anxiety for the rest of my day. It blows my mind how many of us live perpetually with anxiety over a mistake that we've made in the past. It could be something major, Or it could be something minor. It could be outright sin. Or it could just be I mismanaged my life in that area. I didn't know any better. I wasn't even thinking about it. But without even realizing it, because of my past, it's tainting and coloring everything that I do and the velocity in which I'm moving forward in life. And and, and, and here's the problem. Some of us think that if we pretend like our past didn't happen, If I just ignore it, if I just forget about it, if I just push it in the back of the corner, if I just act like it's not there, then it's not going to affect how I move forward in life. Some of us, some of us justify our past. Oh, I I remember, I, I I did the best I could with what I had. Come on now. I think sometimes as parents we say that. Yeah, I wasn't there for you, but I had to put food on the table. Yeah, that happened, but here's, I, I saw what was, and, 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 and because we have not come to grips with our past, we justify, our, some of us hide from it. Where we actually cancel ourselves out and no, I'm not gonna put myself forward, I'm not gonna believe for that, I'm not gonna look for that, I'm not gonna trust for that. Because of what I've done in the past, there's no way I deserve that. Adam, Adam took the, the road of hiding from his past. Now, to be fair to Adam, his past was only three minutes prior. (laughs) It wasn't like, okay, freshman year in high school, you know, back prom night. No, no. It was like three minutes ago, I ate that apple. But there's so many questions that need to be asked. Jesus, you could have showed up three minutes earlier. You know that little snake was talking to my wife, and you could have just rolled up and been like, what's going on here? We'd have dropped the apple. We wouldn't have had this problem at all. Do you know the story in Genesis? Eve is talking to the serpent. He said, hey, what God told you was really trying to keep you from having a great life. God is trying to trick you. Don't trust God. Trust me. She eats the apple, shares it with her husband. And and it's wild because it says if you eat of this tree, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. Why did God not want them to eat from the tree? God says, because I want your life not to be lived from intellect. I want your life to live from relationship with me. I don't want you to not do evil because you know it's evil. I want you to not do evil because you're in love with me. And you know that that's not pleasing to me. It says as soon as Adam ate that fruit, he realized, hold on, I'm naked. That depends on translation you read. Some say naked. And mine says naked. And it says, Adam ran, and he hid himself, and he covered up. And here comes God walking in the garden for their normal connect group that they have every single day. And he says, Adam, where are you? By the way, if God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Adam, where are you? Adam said, we realized we were naked and we're hiding. He said, who told you? Listen, don't miss it. Who told you the proper response to mistakes is to hide? If you have a a newborn, a 18-month-old, a two-year-old, a child who's not potty trained yet, you know if they soil their diaper, they're gonna go hide. They're they're gonna go in the corner, they're gonna sit, they're gonna something about that sinful nature. That if I've soiled my life. My first response, my reaction is to hide, to appease, to to shrink back. And some of us don't even realize this, but we're physically in a room, but we're spiritually and emotionally hiding because we've stuffed our past in the past instead of dealt with it. And here's Jesus, or God walks up and he says, Adam, who told you you were naked? And here's what I love about it. He, yes, there were consequences. They got their tails kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and he put an angel at the front of the garden with a sword, you ain't coming back in. Don't. Ma-. But it also says that he killed a lamb. And for the first time ever, he made something to cover over the results of their mistakes. And then watch this in John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. Remember, God killed a lamb to cover over Adam's past and it says, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I cannot ignore my past, hide from my past, justify my past, because if I ignore, justify, or hide, I will miss the fact that my past has already been covered by the lamb that was slain. My past has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. There's no reason for me to now think about that relationship where I was immoral and kind of feel shame in it. Why? Because God's covered that with his blood. But Paul, said, Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He said, although, watch this, Paul said, although the fall, formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world, watch this, to save sinners of whom I am Chief. Here's the problem. When I pretend like my past didn't happen. What I'm really doing is I'm stealing glory from God. Because my past isn't redeemed because I made up for it with my performance. My past isn't redeemed because I've tithed for the last five years consistently. My past isn't redeemed because I've done enough good to outweigh my bad. My past is redeemed because a spotless lamb by the name of Jesus Christ came and hung on a cross and shed his blood to cover over my nakedness. But here's the problem when I pretend like it didn't happen, when I justify I did the best I could with what I was given or I hide from it, I miss the fact that, yeah, I was a little ratchet. I ain't gonna hold you. I was a pastor's kid and I. was still ratchet yeah i messed up a little bit yeah i did this yeah i did that and i'm not glorifying the sin what i'm glorifying is that god still saw fit to use me and to call me and to take me and to justify me and to use me for his glory some of you have been ignoring your past and in doing it you're ignoring the redemptive power of god now here's what's important i'm not saying to glorify your sin you ever been in one of those testimony moments where somebody starts telling you, yeah, God brought me from a lot, mighty long way. I, man, I killed people and I robbed and I stilled. And, I, and you're like, whoa, bro, like, we don't need all the details. I'm not saying we're glorifying our sin, but there's just this awe. Sometimes because of all the guilt, shame, and insecurity. We obsess over all of our strengths. I'm, I'm anointed. I'm intelligent. I'm, I'm gifted. I'm this. I'm, and hear me. That you need to be confident. You, you need to know who God's called you to be. You know, you know the gifts and the talents and the ability that God has placed inside of you. But 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 just sometimes you need to take the time to acknowledge that you're not qualified. So, so sometimes you you need to take the time to to. to I shouldn't be here. I I shouldn't have the wife that I have. I shouldn't have the kids that I have. I I shouldn't be able to stand on a platform in front of people. I shouldn't have the influence that I have. If you knew who I was, if you know what I've done, if you know my track record, you would know I, I, I don't really deserve to be where I am. But it is the grace of God that found me and cleansed me and washed me and restored me and redeemed me and just trust me. If he can use me, he can use anybody. Hear me, I think your anointing increases when your gratitude increases. Psalm 103 verse 10 says this, he has not dealt with us according, okay, slow down, somebody needs to hear this. He doesn't deal with us according to our sin. Let, 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 Let me just not rush past that. Some of you have believed faulty theology that you're now accepting something in your life that's less than God's best. Maybe you're accepting sickness. Maybe, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve, no, 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 no. He doesn't deal with you according to your mistakes, nor punish us according to our iniquities. Hear me, yes, there are consequences to sin, but the consequences don't come from God. God said, I'm not out here punishing you. All the punishment was on the back of Jesus Christ hung on that cross. He said, for as the heavens are high above earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And you know this part, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Can can we, can we, can we get real, real, real? I know that I've accepted the redemption power of Jesus Christ when I no longer cringe over memories of my past. And I know that doesn't just happen to me. Come on now. You ever ran into somebody from high school? Or ran into somebody from back in the day, and when you saw them, it reminded you of when you weren't who you are today, and you get that pit in your stomach, and you just get that, Ugh, I remember... Man, I haven't seen you in a long time. And you're like, man, I really wish I didn't see you today. <laughs> when I feel that pit, I know I'm still stuck on performance. And I have not yet fully embraced and grasped. That's redeemed. That's forgiven. That's removed from my track record. Second thing is just write this to my other, though. Stop trying to make up for it. stop. So my wife and I were, you know, we're at this cooking class and, you know, throw vinegar in there. And I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I don't like vinegar. You know, throw it in there. We threw a little bit too much vinegar in there. Cooked it, stuck it in a tray, cooked the steak. We did even a little, a little pastry puff, pastry apple deal. And and you know, but from cooking to sitting down and eating, it was like 45 minutes. Food was cold. I'm like, I'm not tipping. This is, 45 minutes later, I go and sit down, and guess what I taste in the food? Vinegar. I put too much. And now it's going to flavor everything going. When we do not deal with our past, we don't even realize how it flavors everything. Maybe what it is that I'm ashamed about of my past is that I just didn't apply myself in school. It wasn't sin, maybe it is sin to be lazy, but uh, I just know I didn't give my best, I didn't give my, you would not believe how many people didn't finish college, dropped out of college, didn't go to college, didn't get good grades in high school, didn't go to a master's or whatever it may be, and that guilt follows them into their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and now I'm neglecting my family, working harder than I ought to, to make up for that inner feeling that at some point in my life I was lazy not realizing that it is actually flavoring and tainting my future, not because of what God's called me to do, but because I haven't dealt with that guilt and shame. Maybe it's just I wasn't the best parent or child or friend or spouse. And and, and here's what I find, that when we know that we weren't the best parent, child, friend, spouse, or whatever it may be, and those seasons where we were not the best, actually wounded somebody, actually hurt somebody. And they, it, it's one thing if people are ticked at you and they got no reason to be ticked at you. It's a completely different ball game where you're like, yeah, I did that, I did that. I said that, that was, that was all the way. But there's a point where I've owned it, I've apologized, I've done everything I possibly can do to restore this relationship. And now you are just a travel agent for a guilt trip. And I've got to make a decision. This is where I get off. I'm not going to live the rest of my life trying to appease the fact that I did do you wrong five years ago, 10 years ago, 20. And it, it, I, I'll sit down, and I'll talk to people, and I'm like, you co-signed for your sister? How old is your sister? Forty. You co-sign for a grown adult? Why? And, and here's what's wild. Sometimes we'll make a decision to make up for somebody else's sin. I wasn't even the one who abandoned my sister when she needed me the most. It was my dad or my mom but because I saw the pain that it caused, because I saw the difficulty that it caused, and I know that it was not fair, I'm I'm taking on guilt that is not even mine to take on, and I'm stepping into a situation, watch this, that is actually inhibiting my future and negatively affecting my life. And I, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble, that's okay. And then I wanna label it as being noble. Can, can, Can I help you out? destroying causing pain to yourself for the benefit of somebody else that ain't that ain't noble jesus died on the cross you don't have to come on now are we allowed disrespect we allow people to take us for granted or 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 take advantage all and 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 It's amazing how you can just mask it in this. You know, I'm just, they're going, how many times? They're going through a tough season. I know they shouldn't talk to me that way, but you know, they're just going through, how long have they been going through a tough season? Because my watch says about been 15 years. And without even realizing it, that guilt and shame is tainting how we're made. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, sometimes, If you read the Bible right, you're going to realize this thing is about as shady as it comes. It says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ. The writer of Hebrew, he's trying to shame the church. He said, guys, do I got to preach the basics over and over and over and over? He said, it's time to move on. He said, let us press on to maturity, not laying again. The foundations, the the, y'all guess what he said. The basics are repentance from trying to make up for your past. The first thing that he said is basic Christianity. He says stop trying to perform to make up for past mistakes. He said repentance from dead, and instead of faith towards God, I, I. I I do not have to let you abuse me because I wasn't there for you when you needed me. Instead, I can surrender you to Jesus and trust that he's able to sustain, to move, to heal, and to restore, but I'm no longer going to make decisions that destroy my future just because my past is not something that I'm proud of. Isaiah 64, verse 6, says, all of us become like one who is unclean and all are righteous acts. All the best we can do to make up for our past is like filthy rags. We all shrivel like a leaf and like the wind. Our sins sweep us away. You can't make up for it. You can only cover it in the blood of Jesus. Last thing is this, write this down. Sean, if you want to play, I'll end. If you don't want to play, I don't end. At some point, you can't run from it. You got to face the threats. So if you read Paul's life, Try to kill him. They put him in a basket, out the window, runs. Goes to Isle of Patmos, waits for things to calm down. As soon as he gets back, they try to, over and over and over again, they try to kill him, they try to kill him. They to, And then finally, Paul stands up and acts, and he says, you know what, take me to Caesar. And said, no, 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 if you go, they're gonna kill you. To so live is Christ, to die is gain. I, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done running. I'm gonna stand up and say, that enough is enough. I'm going to the future that God has for me. The movie that we're doing at the movies today is Creed 3. If you haven't seen it, you got to see a good knockout movie. I'm just telling you, it's just one of those. And the whole idea is the star of the movie had a past that he wasn't proud of. And a friend came back from the past and said, hey, you owe me. And he tries to appease him. He tries to help him. He tries to encourage him. And then finally he says, you know what? I got to fight you because I'm tired of trying to run from my mistakes. I've got to face it head on. Hear me, your past is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Yes, you're going to have to get that guilt and shame out of your actions. But at some point, you're going to have to turn around and say, you know what? I'm about sick of this. We're going to have to go at it. Revelations 12, 10 says this. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Watch this. For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. One translation says cast down to earth. Can can I help you out with something that might discourage you? Guilt and shame being a part of your life dictates whether it affects your decisions. But the enemy will always try to guilt you. And always try to shame you even after you've eradicated what well, the bible says he's the accuser of the brethren so if you're waiting and sometimes we preach sometimes we preach a Christianity in church that's not actually real like we preach you should never be tempted in your life it's not real you should always have the strength to overcome temptation but temptation is well if you feel prideful you are prideful no if you feel prideful you're human how you respond to that moment. Tracking with me. Just because you feel shame doesn't mean that shame controls you. And you've gotta figure out how do I throw a right? How do I throw a left? How do I make sure that I'm not gonna allow the mistakes of my past to taint my mindset of my, can I, can I give you a couple of punches to throw? The first punch is the punch of praise. I, I've gotta make it a part of my lifestyle where I'm regularly praising God and thanking Him for what He has redeemed me from, what He has brought me from, what He has saved me from, and what He's taken me to. As you read the letters of Paul constantly, he said, "I." Paul, the chief of sinners. I, Paul, who used to be a murderer. I, Paul, am proof that if God can save me, He can save anybody. You've got to take some moments of your day and say, whoa, 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 whoa. If it had not been for the Lord, I remember who I used to be. I remember what I used to do. I remember what I used to think. I remember what I used to say. But God, I praise you because you've healed me. You've redeemed me. You've restored me. You've written a new future for me and you'd be surprised how when you praise him for his redemption shame just falls off guilt just from all you you know what as far as the east is from the west he reminded me he's removed that from me the second thing is you've got to obsess over tomorrow not over yesterday philippians 3 13 says this brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching, he said, forgetting those things that are behind, stretching, reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Every decision I make going forward, I'm gonna make it based on the future that God has for me, not the mistakes I've made in my past. Come on. In. Some of us have made financial decisions in our past that we're so ashamed of, or so overwhelmed with that we actually deprive ourselves from making financial decisions for the future. Oh, you, you make the decision for me. You, you've disqualified yourself based on something that God has redeemed you from, and you've—I'm no longer going to make decisions based on what happened yesterday. I'm making decisions based on what God has called me to tomorrow. And then the last thing is this, and this is kind of just a prophetic word that God laid on my heart. When, when Adam sinned, he hid. And a lot of us don't understand when we're hiding because we don't know what that looks like. And Here's what hiding looks like emotionally when I stop looking for what the next opportunity God has for me is. Hiding can look very similar to complacency of, I'm going to show up every day, wake up every day I'm not expecting any new miracles I'm not expecting any new opportunities. I'm not expecting anything different. I'm not expecting to be noticed. I'm not expecting, I'm I'm just going to get up and do my job and go to sleep and hug my kids and love on my spouse and wake up the next morning and do my job. And I'm, I'm not expecting any, without even realizing that that is actually a spirit on me of I don't deserve anything more than I have and let me just settle for where I am. I came across this verse, y'all. I was prepping this message. I started screaming by myself. I said, God, I don't need it music i don't need a church i don't need a choir i am having a shout isaiah 61 7 says this instead of your shame look, look look what it says it says you shall have double honor it doesn't say shame is gone and you're back to who you used to be it doesn't say shame is gone you know he said i'm gonna give you double for your trouble and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be there. Can I, can I, can I preach just for a second? here it is, Adam and Eve sin in the garden, meeting with God every single day. They go and hide. God covers over their sin with the blood of the Lamb, and he says, I'm going to work throughout history to restore the communion that man used to have with God. What did he do? Did he build a new garden of Eden? Did he put a new tree? Did he put him in a new place? No, no, no. He said, because before you sinned, you were in the garden. It's got to be double after I come on the other side, so I'm going to prepare a new heaven and a new earth and where I go there you will be also Adam and Eve aren't going back I I always get in trouble because they sing this song let's get back to Eden I don't want to go back to Eden I want to be in glory with the king of kings and the lord of lords Don't just look at your past as, I'm glad I survived it. Look at your past and say, God, you're going to give me double honor for everything that I've been through, every mistake that I've made, every opportunity that I missed, every word that I spoke that was not of you. God, you're going to double in my life, not because I deserve it, but because you're that good. That's the God that you are. So I'm going to live my life every day looking for an open door. I'm living my life every day looking for the next miracle. I'm I'm living my life every day looking for that next God moment. God, you're going to restore everything that I lost, not just equal, but double for my trouble. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, our past is redeemed Our future school. God, in this moment of guilt, shame, regret, embarrassment is breaking off of our lives come on wherever you find yourself can you pray this prayer say holy spirit what are you saying to me just give god a moment to make this time this this moment personally for some of you you got some new boundaries you got to set up in your life you've got some people that will never let you mature past some of you it's an internal work I just say, no, I don't hold that against you. Why are you holding that against you? For some of you, the truth is your past is not redeemed. Because you've never surrendered your past to Jesus. Hear me. You can't go forward with Jesus until you first go back. And admit the fact, God, I wasn't who I wanted to be. And I wasn't who you called me to be. In that moment, the Bible says that it's his blood that's now applied to your life. That restores, that redeems, that as far as the east is from the west, removes your sin from your lives. So wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus to forgive me of my past. I need him to cover. I need him to redeem. Me. That's you right where you are. This is your moment. You pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, so grateful when I wasn't thinking about you you were thinking about me I believe you came to earth you died on a cross you shed your blood so that all of my sin all of my mistakes can be erased in this moment I give you my past I give you my present and I give you my future be my Lord be my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever?